millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's World Cup preview show. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2. It rhymes already. We are days away from the Women's World Cup kicking off in New Zealand and Australia. And for the next five weeks, we're going to be bringing you reaction to all the drama. We'll hear from England captain Millie Bright on how she's feeling with the extra responsibility of the skipper's armband. I don't feel any added pressure. I think it's one of the best moments in your career, getting to lead the girls out in a major tournament. England are in a group with China, Denmark and Haiti, but Lioness legend Rachel Yankee feels this is a tricky group for the Lionesses. The players have really got to be focused for that first game. No slip-ups, no room for error there. With England preparing for their opening match of the tournament against Haiti on Saturday, we'll also speak to Molly Hudson from The Times about how the tournament's being viewed over in Australia. We immediately saw a lot of billboards and stuff at the airport. There was Women's World Cup merch that you could buy, little cuddly toys with footballs. All that plus we'll focus on the Republic of Ireland as they get ready for their first appearance in a major tournament. This is the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2. I'm Millie Bryant and you can listen to the Women's World Cup on TalkSport. Hi there, how you doing? I would normally say happy Monday. It is happy Monday in this case, but we're going to be with you most days of the Women's World Cup when things kick off on Thursday. But it is a happy Monday to you all and it's a very happy Monday to the wonderful Leanne Sanderson, World Cup bronze medalist and talk sport pundit, alongside me in the studio. It's a delight to see your face. How are you? Likewise, Faye. I feel like I've not seen you for ages, even though we have seen each other, but it's super exciting. Three days out from the Women's World Cup. How exciting is that? So finally, feels like we've been waiting for an eternity for it to come and now it's finally here. You're going to be bored of me in a few days. You're going to see me never all, <laughs> all the time right in your face. As you say, three days until the World Cup. Absolutely brilliant. It all kicks off here on TalkSport and we couldn't be more excited. It's really nice to be back in and obviously we've got a huge, huge tournament coming up that full focus is on. And then it's hooked by Hoop into the centre and arriving at the far post was Pop. And Alexandra Pop sets a new record. Perez gone for goal from distance! She's caught up the goalkeeper! It's another sensational goal from Sadka! Angledal, right-hand corner of the area, drives it, goalwards, it's in! Philippa Angledale just tried a look. An opportunity to round the goalkeeper and it's in from Bob Marty. Pull into the area. Sure, they scored! 
Khadija Shaw. Lead with the outswinging delivery. Raphael's header into the back of the net. And the drama never stops. You can listen to the Women's World Cup on TalkSport. So England and the Republic of Ireland kick off their World Cup campaigns this week in Australia. The highly anticipated tournament comes just a year after the Lionesses' success. They are European champions now. You, of course, heard them lift that iconic trophy on Talk Sport just a year ago. And they're looking to add another trophy to their collection, whilst the Republic of Ireland are looking to impress at their first ever appearance in a major tournament. As you would expect, we have reporters across every single game throughout the tournament and we have commentary of all of England and the Republic of Ireland's matches as well. Courtney Sweetman-Kirk's going to be following England out in Australia and Shabana Hearn will be across everything Ireland related as well. So we've got a top team for you. Leanne is going to be commentating uh, on all of the games with Joe Shannon England-wise. What do you think expectation is for both these teams? I think it's completely different for the Republic of Ireland. I think people are having this attitude with them that they're just happy to be there. When I think that's a that's a misunderstanding. Knowing this Republic of Ireland team and the players that they have, Katie McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan, some top players, I think they could be the dark horses of this competition. I really do. You look at their group, starting out against Australia, it's going to be quite difficult, isn't mm. it? Especially them being the host nation. But I think they could definitely go further than people expect. I think with England... Because we won the Euros, people automatically assume we're going to win the World Cup. It doesn't work like that. And I think people that just got on board with women's football will realise during the Euros, England wasn't even favourites to win that. They played so well that they played themselves into winning it and becoming favourites. So I definitely think we can win it. Whether we will or not is another story. I hope we do. But with all the injuries, I don't want to beat that drum, but it's the reality. Leah Williamson, Beth Mead, Frank Kirby. It's going to be difficult, but I definitely think we can do it. But the expectations are there. I think the whole country now expects England to win every tournament they're in. The results haven't been great. And and look, we, we don't tend to look at that. 30 games unbeaten under Serena Wiegmann when she came in is a pretty impressive stat. But the last three games have not been, you know, obviously beating Brazil in the finalissima. Very tight game, winning on penalties, but there were flaws in the performance, I think it's fair to say. Then the 2-0 defeat to Australia kind of came as a sucker punch to everybody, I feel. And then goalless against Portugal, albeit they were trying different systems, trying different personnel in different places. You would expect, against no disrespect whatsoever to, to, to Portugal, but they're in their first ever World Cup, you would have thought that Serena Wiegmann's side would have been able to break them down and they just weren't clinical. Yeah, I think the Portugal game, definitely, I agree with you, Faye. I think that was one that we'd expect to win. But I think it's almost like now the pressure is there. You know, they do say when you get to the top, it's even harder staying there. I'm not getting concerned. I don't think it's a concern of mine. I think Australia, they've always underachieved, I feel like, in the last five to ten years. Whereas Sam Kerr, they've got good enough players where they could potentially be winning tournaments. We used to play against them in the Cyprus Cup and I always felt like they were quite underwhelming with regards to the talent that they do have. I think with Serena Wiegmann, she knows how to win. Even during the Euros, I was saying, you know, why is she taking off Beth Mead against Spain in the 70th minute? She did that, made adjustments. Rachel Daly was playing fullback. I was saying Alex Greenwood should have been playing there and then they won. So I think, I always say in Serena we trust, but it definitely is concerning that we're tying with teams like Portugal because they're not really a nation. And like you say, no disrespect that have ever really been at, at it with the women's game because the investment hasn't been there. Mm, and no goals scored in the last two games is a concern. Actually, three games, if you count the behind closed doors match that they played against 
Bev Priestman's Canada out in Australia, which, you know, we don't know. It was rolling subs by all accounts. The good news was that um, Millie Bright was part of the squad and played some minutes. We don't know how many minutes, but at least, you know, she was she was there because I feel as if there's quite a lot of pressure on on the Lionesses. And there was a lot of pressure on them being in a home tournament. And, you know, they were notoriously slow starters, which I think maybe affected their performance at this level. Have they learnt their lesson from that? Or is the same kind of pressure going to be on them out, out in Oz? I think there's even more pressure. I think there was definitely pressure here because they were hosting the Euros and everybody kind of fell in love with the Lionesses even more. But I definitely think the pressure is there because... Going into Euros, nobody expected England to, England to win, but they were so good. Everybody, they became everyone's favourites. I think now, you know, you look at the the way they beat the US Women's National Team at Wembley as well. That was a massive result. But you look at the mindset of a lot of these teams that are going to be added to the World Cup that weren't at the Euros. These are mentality beasts, right? The US Women's National Team, teams like Brazil, even Zambia the other day beat Germany. Oh, yeah. And these are the types of results that you never see in the women's game, ever, ever, ever. I can't remember a team like Zambia beating a Germany in my whole time of existence of playing the game or being, even being on this earth. That's the magnitude of it. So I think it is a World Cup. Other teams might step up, but I do think with England... There's players, there's always going to be question marks because does Serena Vigman know her best 11 with regards to injuries? Is Rachel Daly going to start up front? Is Alessia Russo going to start up front? There's a lot of question marks over a lot of a lot of the players, where they're going to play. Don't worry, we'll have the answers to those question marks you have later on in the show. I'm not sure if I have them all. In Faye, we do not trust when it comes to we coaching do. and tactics, that's for sure. Um, equally, Republic of Ireland aren't expected to even get out of the group, which I think actually is, is quite unfair, bearing in mind that what's been going on in Canada has been quite difficult for their players. They have some big players missing in Janine Becky, for example. Um, and Nigeria are an interesting prospect as well. They've had their own off-the-field issues. I think Republic of Ireland feel a little bit bit more settled and you know with a, with a captain like Katie McCabe who's just coming into her prime at the moment you know they, they could be a real prospect and maybe don't write them off to get out of the group No I, I've said it before they're my dark horses I think individually they have really good players and the thing about teams like the Republic of Ireland, Wales, Scotland they have this mentality when they're all together they seem to know how to get the best out of each other and when their backs are against the wall they find a way so I wouldn't be surprised against Australia if they didn't find a way Look at Canada. Nobody expected them to win the Olympics, and they did. No one expected that to happen. They thought, oh, America would win it, but they ended up winning it. So things can happen in tournaments, and I definitely think they're capable. Nigeria as well. They've got some decent players within their team. Alozi, they've got Onamanu. They've got a lot of good players in their team. That could actually cause some problems. And I think because it is a World Cup, and we've seen how the women's game has progressed... Players know that if they have a good World Cup, they put themselves in a shot window. Those types of things can start to happen. So these nations that people are kind of writing off, I wouldn't write off the Republic of Ireland and Nigeria. Teams like the Reggae Girls and Morocco, maybe they're at a different place, but they also, Jamaica have good enough players. You know, they've got a lot of players from the WSL that are playing in their team and, and you never know. I think it's fair to say this is definitely going to be the, the biggest World Cup we've ever seen. There are so many more teams not necessarily investing but you can definitely see a progression in the women's game across the world, not just in Europe, America, etc. And that is what is going to fascinate me going forward uh, for this tournament. Right, this is the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2. Faker Rothers and former England forward Leanne Sanderson with you. Coming up next, we're going to speak to Molly Hudson from The Times about how things are going on in Australia. <laughs> 
This is the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers. Former Lioness Leanne Sanderson is alongside me and joining us live from Australia is football writer for The Times, Molly Hudson. Hey, Moll. Hey, Faye. Not quite as close as we usually are. I know. I, feel, I actually feel a little bit bereft without you in the in the studio. I've got Leanne, though. A Hi, Molly. You're right. I'm good, thank you. I uh, I can't say I'm missing Talksport Towers when I look out my window and see the entirety of Brisbane's skyline. So it's not too bad here. Oh wow! Yeah, I have been watching your um, social media posts with with interest. It's certainly we were told, you know, it's winter, it's going to be miserable, blah blah blah, and it has not been either of those things from what your posts have uh, have shown. Have you hugged a koala yet? I'm booked in to hug a koala on Thursday. So that's very exciting. Had to get that in before the first England game. But I have to say, it was nice on the Sunshine Coast. I've been there for seven days. Uh, Moved to Brisbane today. And it has been absolutely horrific weather. Like torrential rain. So... I feel like you've just wished the rain on me now. Sorry. <laughs> Molly, I've seen as well, you see where the US Women's National Team, they're wearing their puffer jackets when they're going out to training. Is it something to be said that the weather could play a factor in this tournament with some teams and in other teams it wouldn't with regards to maybe it's not as hot because we know it's not summer, but some play, some teams look like they're, you know, enjoying the weather and some teams look like they're absolutely freezing. Yeah, it's, it's a really w- big difference, it seems, by like England, who obviously had their prep camp on the Sunshine Coast, and then... The teams that are in New Zealand, I know um, girls on the ball went out to New Zealand and they they were literally having to buy winter coats because it's like properly, properly cold out there, like our winter cold. Whereas over here, it's it's much more like, uh, I guess, autumn maybe. At times, it's been like our summer, really. So I think it will be quite interesting for those teams that do have to move from their group in New Zealand to then the knockouts in Australia. I think England got quite lucky with their draw, geographically at least, although it is quite difficult on paper in terms of the nations they'll face. I've been watching all of the Lionesses Instagram posts with uh, with joy, actually, because I've actually spent time in that part of the world and it really is beautiful. I know that, I know that uh, Steve Irwin's wife's zoo is is nearby and, and everybody's kind of been going around there and, and meeting the animals it looks like they've kind of had quite a chilled start to, to life in Australia what have they been getting up to yeah I think Serena um, Vigman spoke to us about how that it was really important to have you know pretty strict training sessions you know get together make those bonds between the players but also have that free time because you know we're looking at a tournament that's what, seven weeks away from home, the time difference is not easy. It, it makes it a lot harder to communicate with your family and things like that. So I think that's definitely something that the FA staff have kept in mind. And it was quite interesting that the players were kind of allowed the freedom to to kind of go what and do what they wanted to do, really. So there were a few players and, and also Serena herself that went whale watching. Um, there's some fantastic uh, videos on Esme Morgan's Instagram. Um, they saw a, a whale sort of jumping. Is that the right phrase? Leaping uh, right in front of them. Um, so that looked fantastic. And then a group of the others went to um, the Australian Zoo that you mentioned. Um, uh, plenty of koalas to be hugged, kangaroos to be fed, although... They didn't have to actually go to the zoo to see them because where they were in the prep camp, um, 
there were also kangaroos roaming around um and they've seen plenty of wildlife we've had what what a Locally described as bin chickens, um, uh, an ibis bird. They're, they've been kind of rolling onto the uh, the training pitches. We've had brush turkeys wandering around the camp. It's um, They've certainly had a taste of the Australian wildlife out here. Do you know what I'll say as well, from a player's perspective, to both you and Faye, like, when I played at England, I wish I had Serena Vigman. I say this all the time when we're doing commentary, because people say, oh, you're going away of England, going to all these amazing countries, and we never got to go out of the hotel. And if we did in Canada, we had to sign a book to say we were leaving. Yeah. You know, those types of things. And honestly, it makes such a difference. Even in the Euros, when they had them in Richmond, was it Teddington, wasn't it, at the yeah, hotel? Yeah, at the Lensbury. And you saw them mm. kind of walking around. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, that's the only time I have any type of resentment when I played for England. People say, oh, you must, have, you must feel sorry that you missed the boat. I absolutely don't. But it makes such a difference when you're away from your family to have that type of freedom to be able to go and see the country. But I think your kind of feedback and, and the men's feedback as well, the FA have really listened to because yeah. the players have wanted a little bit of freedom. And I think that's been really important because certainly when they went out, they didn't want any of the prep camps, did they, Molly, that, um, that FIFA had necessarily laid on for them. They found their own because they knew what the players wanted. They, they didn't want to be hidden away from the rest of the world. They wanted to be able to go out and get coffee and walk around and, and have the public, you know, they've got their own private sections where they are. But the public can kind of, you know, get to them at the same point. In, 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 but they can get privacy if they if they want to. It's really changed, and and you can certainly tell it relaxes the players. So you're on work time, then you're on kind of downtime, which is, which which is great. How's it like actually out in Australia, Molly? Does it does it feel as if you you and I were out in um, France in 2019, and you couldn't tell that there was a World Cup going on in France? It was crazy. You know, maybe in Nice there was a bit of a fan park, wasn't there? And a few little billboards up and about, but it didn't feel as if, you know, they were really on board with the tournament happening. What's it like in Australia? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that experience in France because I was reflecting on that the other day as well. And I remember how how sort of disappointing it was that you didn't really realise you were in a tournament and sort of thinking... It's a bit of a shame because when you when you get to host one of these things, you know, it's it's a big deal. And I think we we landed in, in Brisbane and immediately saw a lot of billboards and stuff at the airport. There was Women's World Cup merch that you could buy, little cuddly toys with footballs. Um, but then obviously going to the Sunshine Ca uh, Sunshine Coast, it's quite interesting because they, they're not actually a host city, obviously. England chose it for their pre-camp because it was only an hour away from Brisbane so it was pretty easy in terms of them being in the right sort of area geographically but it it's not a very big footballing area I was speaking to some of the locals and it's it's a big kind of place for for rugby league um so I, I think there was uh, I think it was 3,000 people that um greeted the Lionesses for their welcome and I think the FA were quite pleasantly surprised by that um, certainly a lot of the, the fans in that crowd seemed, you know, pretty switched on. They were they had their sort of favourite players. Um, so that was quite good, I think. But I do think certainly even travelling here, you know, you could see it on the road as you went into Brisbane. The, there's billboards and stuff here. I think it will certainly ramp up now that they are here. Obviously, the Lionesses um, arrived here earlier on today, sort of evening time, early evening here. And it will feel a lot more like, I guess, the start of the tournament now that that pre-camp was a lot more relaxing. You know, they, they did have that freedom, whereas now, you know, they're they're in they're in a Hilton sort of central Brisbane 
pretty busy here and I think it it will feel like it will ramp up now. Yeah, you, you wrote an article for The Times off the back of a conversation you had with, with Ella Toon. How is she feeling uh, about the tournament? Because before she flew out, I chatted to her and she was pretty relaxed and excited as she is. You know, she's pretty, you know, so laid back. She's horizontal sometimes, it feels. Different player off the pitch than on the pitch. But uh, how was she when you spoke to her? She's so funny. Obviously, you'll have known from from speaking to her as well. She's just she hasn't changed. You know, everything everything I remember her saying after the Euros, you know, she'd got papped eating a pasty on a holiday. She's never really changed. And and she kind of joked with us that that she'd found herself. She had us all in in fits of laughter that um, she, she, she said, look, I'm not a morning person when I'm in England. But because of the jet lag, I'd, I'd woken up at 6am, she'd gone down to watch the sunrise on the beach and the girls had sorted her out some goggles so that she didn't hurt her eyelash extensions because we know how important they are to Tooney. Um, <laughs> so she could go underwater um, and she she just said she'd she'd really found herself. She'd, she'd started reading Jamie Vardy's autobiography and she was like, look, I normally say that to people, but I don't really read it. But this time I have. Um, is that so, finding so yourself? I'm really not sure about that. <laughs> Brilliant. She's she's such a character, isn't she? Uh, how important is she going to be, though? Because you, you can't replace Fran Kirby. It doesn't matter whether you've got you know a natural number ten replacement. What Fran Kirby does on the pitch can't be replicated by by another player. So how? Bear in mind, she was an impact player in the Euros. This is potentially her opportunity as the as the starting spot. We we think. How vital is she going to be? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. She sort of referred to it in her interview with us that she really needed the break at the end of the season because, as you say, she was a super sub at the Euros, but then she's played an awful lot of minutes in a lot of competitions for Manchester United with obviously how well they did in the Women's Super League. It's the most game she's ever played in her career. And I think she'd be the first to say you could kind of see that towards the end of the season. I think she she had burnt out a little bit and... For me, I think it's a, it's a position that's up for grabs because I think in the past year, you would have 100% said Ella Toon would, would be starting in that position. But I thought it was quite interesting. I don't know what you guys thought. Uh, the second half of the Portugal friendly when Tooney came off at half time, Lauren James moved into the 10 mm. and then Chloe Kelly picked up that left wing role. And I just felt England it helped them a little bit more in terms of connecting that midfield and an attack. And it allowed Lauren James to get on the ball a bit more because I think when she's on the left wing, you sort of miss the directness of having a winger like Chloe Kelly out there because, you know, Chloe Kelly, her first thought is to to beat you with pace and, and get the ball in. Whereas for Lauren James, she often thrives with the ball at her feet, you know? So I think, I think it's quite interesting whether potentially there's a, a chance for Lauren James to to maybe sneak into that number 10 role or if it's just too late. But I certainly thought in that Portugal game, England actually played better in the second half with LJ in that position. I agree. But if you remember in the Euros, I mean, England were, were, were slow starters and Frank Kirby always started in that position and then it was Ella Toon coming on and making that impact. It, it, so maybe it's going to be that Ella Toon is establishing... Um, and then Lauren James moves and uh, and opens it up a little bit. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I would start with Lauren James. I agree with what Molly said. I think you have to have your best players that are the most informed players that can impact. And I think England are better when Lauren James is on the field of play. 
I think in the Arnold Clark Cup, same thing. You saw that she got player of the tournament, and I think they are better. But it's it's a good problem Serena for Serena Beekman to have. But similarly to Ellen White and Alessia Russo at the Euros, you know Ellen White would play in the game, run her socks off, and Alessia Russo would come into the game. So it'll be interesting to see. And managers think about this type of stuff. Who can I bring on that can impact? And Serena Vigman knows she could bring Ella Toon on and she'll make a difference because mm. she did that at the Euros. So we might see Serena Vigman using that tactic again. Yeah, just a quick one, Molly, before we let you go. Obviously, the team made their trip to, to Brisbane today. You're there right now. Um, game kicks off on Saturday, first one of the, of the groups. Uh, what are your predictions for the match against Haiti, which is uh, live on TalkSport, by the way? I think it'll be it'll be an interesting game because I know we've all probably made a lot of it as as um, a few of the players have pointed out we've been making more of it than they have that England haven't scored in their last three games I think it gives England a really good opportunity to to start the tournament with with plenty of kind of at- attacking intent at least I think it's certainly England of favourites Haiti ranked I think it's fifty third in the world. They're a very young team and they have a lot of young stars, but they're, you know, they're, they're debutants. I think their their goalkeeper is five foot four, I believe. So I think there will be lots of chances for England in attack. And, and maybe this is almost the perfect start for them to really kind of get that confidence, not, not to be too English and too arrogant about it and, you know, assume England are going to win this game because you, you never know. But I think they will certainly hope to to really get either Alessia Russo or Rachel Daly, some some minutes, some goals and, and get that confidence. Yeah, very much so. Looking forward to it. Molly, thank you again. I look forward to seeing your koala photo. I've got one from 20 years ago. All I would say is wear a long sleeve top and protect, protect your shoulders just a little bit because those claws are quite sharp. I've heard they're not as cute as they look. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're really not. Enjoy though, Molly. Right? Thanks, Molly. Thank you. Uh, Molly Hudson there, uh, football writer for The Times out in Australia covering the Women's World Cup. Remember, The Times has Women's World Cup content throughout the week as well, including their World Cup pullout, which is going to be in Wednesday's paper. Uh, right, this is the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and former England forward Leanne Sanderson with you. Coming up next, listen, we make no apologies for it. We're going to dive into all things Lionesses a little bit more and their chances at the tournament. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2 in association with Zero small business accounting software and proud partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Right, let's focus on Group D. We make no apologies here on TalkSport 2 for focusing on England and the Republic of Ireland. We will obviously throughout the tournament be mentioning all the other teams, but our focus is very much on on England and the ROI. So let's start uh, in Group D. Uh, England alongside China, Denmark and Haiti, obviously the highest ranked team of the four, but even if they were to top their group, their route to the final potentially could be fraught with difficulty, as you would expect. Could mean that they meet teams like Canada, Germany, France and Brazil, not to mention their most likely opponents in the final, if it all goes to form, would be the defending champions USA, who are looking for their third World Cup in a row, which would be a record. No guarantee they're even going to make it out of the group, by the way, England, taking all England arrogancy out of the equation. Haiti themselves have been breaking all kinds of records. China are the current Asian Cup winners and Denmark proved to be unbeatable in all of their qualifying games. Uh, Let's hear from former Lioness Rachel Yankee. She's been speaking to Talk Sport and says she feels this could be a very tricky group for England. I look at that group and Yes, it's not it's not the worst group, but there's some scary ones. Haiti's unknown, you know, and also they've got nothing to lose. They're going out and playing against the European champions. They've got everything to game, and that for me in the first game, I don't like that. I'd rather play Denmark as the first game because you know more about Denmark. You're used to playing a European side, so the players have really got to be focused for that first game. No slip ups, uh, no room for no room for error there. and then China as well. Usually China are the ones that have got all the travelling to do. Um, and I think China are vastly improved from, from where they are. So, And also I think China play in Adelaide. I think it's in Adelaide. Excuse me if I'm wrong. To, for two games. And in England have got to do the travelling. So there's, there's all different ways of looking at it. Um, I think it's still quite a hard group to get out of. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough group, isn't it? Uh, Rachel Yankee, a friend of yours, Leanne, do you see them as a a potential worry Haiti, like she's suggesting? I love Yanks, and she's a good friend of mine, but I have to respectfully disagree. Um, I think we should win this group pretty comfortably, not because it's an arrogant thing, not because I'm like every single other English person that gets to a major tournament and thinks we're going to win it, whether that be men's or women's. But you look at this, and and, and it's great (laughs) to be optimistic, but I think we have to also be realistic. And I think we don't want to put the pressure on the players. I don't disagree with with regards to playing a better team maybe in the first game. But if we can't beat Haiti, China and Denmark, then I think then questions have to be asked. Not easily, not comfortably. But you look at the other groups, you know, you've got Brazil and France in Group F. You've got the Netherlands and America, USA in one group. That is a difficult group. Mm. Whereas you look at our group, when I saw that when we got the draw, when the draw happened, I was thinking, I'm happy with that. And I think the players should be as well. Take it maybe into consideration our recent form in the last three games. That's the only determining factor. If you look at the Lionesses at the Euros, yes, there's a few players that have retired. 
if that same team plays the way that they did, we should get out of this group comfortably. I don't know, though, about Penilla Harder in Denmark. I feel like Penilla Harder playing in her first ever World Cup, which sounds bonkers to say yeah. in the first place. I just feel like she could just do something really special. She can. She's a great player. She's one of my favourite players. But you look at the rest of the squad and the eleven. I think we ha we should have too much, really. Mm. When you look at our team and the eleven, we should have too much. You've got Kira Walsh, Alessia Russo, Rachel Daly, depending on who starts in those games, Chloe Kelly, Lauren James. Like The list is endless of mm. top talent. Lucy Bronze. Yes, we've got injuries, but we've still got really good players. And I think Penilla Harder is fantastic. I'm not saying we're going to go and win these games 5-0, 4-0. But I think it would be a step back if we don't get out of this group. Yeah, one hundred percent, it would be. At the same time, you look at China and Haiti; they're not the type of teams that England are used to playing. You can kind of predict how Denmark are going to play. They've played them quite recently, but you know, European teams are more England style. China and Haiti, totally different style of, uh, of football, and we know what the Chinese can do. They could be dark horses. They could. But I still don't see individually how we can be losing games like that mm. when you look at the quality that we have. I don't think that China are going to be easy. I think Molly made a really good point with regards to the travel for them. It's a lot different to how it usually is. We used to play against China quite a lot um, in games when I played and we always kind of comfortably beat them. I wouldn't say it was three or four. It was almost like a one-nil or a one-all or a two-nil. So I don't think it's going to be easy, but it will all be determined based upon that first game. And it's interesting because in that first game against Haiti, it's always it's either going to be a banana skin or it's going to be a complete game the way we expect it to be, way the US Women's National Team beat Thailand in the, in the World Cup. That's how I would expect England to beat Haiti. And that's no disrespect to Haiti. But you look at how much money the investment has in the FA with England... We can't be losing games or tying games with teams like Haiti. Let's let's discuss England's form going into the tournament. It's not been great, but you know, equally there's experimentation that's that that's been going on. They obviously beat Brazil on penalties in the finalists and were at Wembley back in April. We mentioned that earlier. Lost to Australia 2-0 at Brentford and then hosted Portugal at Milton Keynes in a in a goalless draw before setting off to Australia. Let's hear from ex-Arsenal and England international Faye White. She told TalkSport she's not worried about England's form going into the tournament despite a recent goal drought. I think it just shows that it's almost maybe the tag of champions that in just the, the belief in the team that's playing against you that ups it a little bit. Um, I think I, I was there at Milton Keynes, saw the, the, the performance on Saturday and the number of chances made. If we weren't making those chances, I think it was 22 shots on target or, or, or shots three hit the bar, um, if she won another day, I think a lot more would have gone in. Um, yes, the Australia one, it just shows, um, and in effect it's probably a, a hidden blessing that we've got that little unbeaten run and that happened then as opposed, because it also as players, it just, hang on, this can happen if you don't put your chances away. Um, and it shows that they'll come up against different systems of teams hit, you know, sitting back, stopping you from playing, being resilient in that. Australia did it, but have a world-class striker who, given one chance, she will put it away. Um, and they they did that on that occasion. So I think it's if it's it's how it goes. It's how you manage. If you keep winning, 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 yes, you want that feeling, but equally a little bit of complacency maybe come in and it's better to have done it in a friendly than in a tournament in the first game, for example. How worried are you, Leanne, about what Faye White said? I mean, I, I know that we talked about form earlier on and you said you weren't that worried either, but chances are being created, but England aren't necessarily being clinical. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried, but I also think it's something that has to be a concern. The Australia game was the one that surprised me because I expected a little bit more. But then again, they are going into a tournament where they're hosting. I think the Portugal game at Milton Keynes was a bit of a shock because I think they expected that to be a send-off game where everybody kind of can celebrate a few goals and enjoy being there. So I feel like it was almost like, where do we go from here? But I think we have to just remember we're a good team and it's an interesting one because Rachel Daly started against Portugal. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to talk about that later in the show, but then they still couldn't score. So I don't see it as being a major problem, but whoever starts in that Haiti game, it'll be interesting. Yeah, with Leah Williamson out as well, England have a new captain for the tournament in, in Millie Bright. Been a bit touch and go for the past few months for her. Picked up that knee injury in the Champions League quarterfinal against Leon back in March and has missed the final few months of another successful Chelsea campaign. She did secure another domestic double with them last season as well as the Arnold Clark Cup victory. The captain's armband is now hers. She was vice-captain previously and it's her chance to step up and potentially lead England to another major trophy. The England skipper told TalkSport she's not feeling any extra pressure ahead of the tournament despite having a new responsibility in her role. I've always, you know, kind of took pride in whether I've got the armband or not got the armband. Nothing changes with me. My behaviour stays the same. I always lead by example and, you know, try and set the tone in training and um, in terms of on the pitch, the communication side, I'd I think it's hard for me not to do that. But yeah, I, d I don't feel any added pressure. And again, that, for me, that comes back to the culture that we have and the environment and the group. And also, yeah, like you said, the other leaders within the group, we, we kind of all chip in in that respect. So yeah, it's just, it's just a massive honour. And yeah, I think it's one of the best moments in your career, getting to lead the girls out in a major tournament. Obviously, Leah Williamson's a huge miss as captain in this tournament. But how much do you believe in Millie Bright in terms of her leadership qualities and stepping up? Yeah, I think she definitely can. I think it's just a question mark over how much she's going to play in these tournaments. I think the first game maybe potentially hasn't played for, what, three months, is it? Mm. So that's going to be quite difficult to get through every single game. Hopefully they win every game and get to the final. Best case scenario. So I think Millie's been there, done that, played in tournaments, commands that respect from her teammates. Leah Williamson's going to be a, a massive loss, but I think Millie Bright could definitely step in there. But then there's other players like Mary Earps that will have to step up. Kira Walsh as well, Lucy Bronze with that leadership. Yeah, it's going to be important. Alex Greenwood uh, as well. You know, there are some experienced players in that squad for sure. This is the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Leanne Sardison is with me and uh, we will be discussing England of the Republic of Ireland further uh, coming next. You're listening to the Women's World Cup preview show on TalkSport 2 in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of England. Women, dream bigger. We are available on podcasts. Don't forget, plenty of places you can download us. First, head to the TalkSport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well, but we're going to be with you throughout the Women's World Cup tournament the next few weeks. Right, team selection has been a big topic ahead of the tournament and the potential headache that Serena Wiegmann has choosing who to play and where to play them. It seems that Millie Bright and Lucy Bronze are the starters at the back, but with Jess Carter, Alex Greenwood, Esme Morgan and Neve Charles, all versatile players, uh, Serena Wiegmann has plenty of options to pick in defence. Another decision is who will wear the number nine shirt and lead the line for England. Um, what do you think, Leanne Sanderson? As a forward, who starts for you? Rachel Daly, 69 caps to her name, 13 goals for England, or Alessia Russo, 22 caps and 11 goals? I'm starting both of them, Faye, and I'm kind of putting Rachel Daly back in the back line. And I know that might sound ludicrous, 
to some people because of how well she did for Aston Villa this year. But I believe in putting in, fitting your best players in. And we know Rachel Daly, Serena Vingman changed my mind about that decision during the Euros. But with a player like Rachel Daly, she has to be in the team. And I think Alessia Russo does as well. So you have to find a way to put them in. I'm also putting in players like Chloe Kelly and Lauren James in that lineup mm. as well. I think a Lauren Hemp comes out of the lineup for me personally. I know a lot of people speak highly of her. I think she's a top player. But when I look at what Chloe Kelly can do in Lauren James, I'm having them on alternative wings with Alessia Russo in that nine. The game against Haiti could be a potential, not trying to be disrespectful to Haiti, but um, whoever starts in that nine could get the golden boot within that game. Yeah. There's op- opportunities that will be there. So it'll be interesting to see because if Rachel Daly starts in the way that they did against Portugal, she could potentially, you know, bag a few goals and then that is her place. Unless Russo becomes that impact player again that I don't think she would want to be. But I think you'd understand why Serena Vigman would do that. But you look at the back line, there's a lot of question marks, isn't there? You've got, you know, Esme Morgan could play, Jess Carter could play if Millie Bright isn't ready. But I'm putting Alex Greenwood in that centre-back position because I think she'll be good in that position. She's played there before if Millie Bright's not ready and I'd play the two of them next to each other. I'm Rachel Daly on the left and Lucy Bronze on the right. Interesting. Let's hear what Anita Asante had to say. Um, former Aston Villa defender, used to play for the Lionesses, of course, as well. She spoke to Talk Sport last week. Here's who she thinks should start up top for the Lionesses. Yeah, I think it's tough because obviously the last few games they've struggled to score <laughs> goals. Um I, you know, going into this competition, I would have said Rachel Daly on the form that she's had domestically at her club, Aston Villa. Um, but I think Alessia Russo showed that she's a was a fantastic um, impact player, you know, during the Euros, could equally do the job there. Yeah, I mean, again, it's so difficult, isn't it? I, I, I agree with Anita. I think what I love about this England team is the versatility because what you can do is you can assess, as we know Serena Vigman is very good at doing, in-game And that's quite vital because actually, if you can see that we're lacking a little bit up top, you could potentially bring on Jess Carter. You could move um, Rachel Daly up top if she starts in the left back position. But you've defensively stabilised yourselves. Alternatively, if she starts, you can then move her back into the left back position if you need that defensive stability because you've not had it. So I think uh, the way she's almost selected the team has been based on cover. And I think that's going to be going to be quite clever. And I don't think until you actually get in the game that it's going to start to become obvious about what her plans are, because none of us expected in the Euros that she was going to pick the same starting eleven all the way through, did we? No, we didn't. And I question that at times, especially against Spain and the substitution she made. But I think Serena knows exactly what she's doing. And let's be honest, a lot of the decisions she had to make for this squad, it kind of her hands were forced, wasn't they? Because there's players that were injured that would have definitely been certainly been there. Beth Mead, Leah Williamson and Frank Kirby would have 100% been selected. So there would have been other players, maybe Katie Zellum, Laura Coombs, those types of players might have not been selected. I don't know. I don't know what Serena's thoughts are deep down, but that's just my thought process. I think you just have to pick your best 11 and fit them in a way. Similar to what Pep Guardiola does. Mm. You know, you pick your best 11. If a player has to go in the fullback position and Rachel Daly has shown she can do that. Is there a better left back in the squad than Rachel Daly? At the Euros, I don't think there was. And that's why she continued to play there. And Serena Vigman changed my mind about that. Because I'm saying, put Rachel Daly in the nine. I've seen her play in the NWSL in America. She balls out every game for the Houston Dash. So why is she not playing in that nine? Why is she going away with England and being put into the defensive position? 
But then Serena changed my mind and it shows you what a top player Rachel Daly is, that she can just slot in there, mm. playing against some of the best players in the world and go 1v1 defensively. Imagine, I couldn't do that. No. Being number nine and then all of a sudden go back to play left back or right back. I'd be out of my, that would be out of my comfort zone. Well, so, she's always said to me that she will play anywhere, even in goal. And, and you can feel that from her as yeah. well. And Mary Epps has laughed at her when she said she'd play in <laughs> golf, for sure. Um, but I think the other interesting thing, if that didn't happen, for example, and you maybe start Jess Carter on the left-hand side, it's the centre-back pairing. If you don't put Alex Greenwood in the left, she would be, like, she's number one left-back if Rachel Daly's playing up front, right? But because of the lack of uh, Leah Williamson, she would have to move into the centre-back position alongside Millie Bright, if Millie Bright is fit. Now, we saw Esme Morgan struggle against Australia in that that 2-0 defeat. She had a much better performance against um, Portugal, which you would expect in the first place. But she's, I mean, obviously she's got incredible experience, but she's still very young. And I feel as if there is more of a partnership between Millie Bright and Alex Greenwood than there is between Millie Bright or, to be fair, Alex Greenwood and Esme Morgan play together at Manchester City. So that could be an alternative if Millie Bright isn't isn't available. But it's that centre-back pairing for me that's the key. Yeah, and I think you have to go with experience and also quality. And I agree with you, Faye. I think Millie Bright and Alex Greenwood should play in that position. And if Millie Bright's fit, that's again another question mark. So I think after the game against Haiti, we'll have a lot of questions answered. But then again, maybe Millie... I don't think you really go and start a player that hasn't played. I could be wrong for that many months. You kind of feel them into the game, don't you? You don't just start a player from the start nine times out of ten and expect them to get through a 90-minute game. But they won't risk Millie Bright against a team like Haiti. Why would they? So it'll be interesting to see. I think, personally, Jess Carter and Esme Morgan will start that game. If Millie Bright's ready to go, then she'll be ready to go. But I don't think it's worth risking a player that's been out for so long in a game like Haiti when they should be able to win pretty comfortably without her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's focus on the Republic of Ireland at, at the end of the show, shall we? Group B, we've mentioned already they're up against Canada, um, Canada, Australia and Nigeria. They've obviously qualified for their first ever Women's World Cup after securing one of the final playoff spaces. Um, they've, I mean, it's a tricky, tricky group, isn't it? The Olympic champions, Canada, albeit having off-the-field issues at the moment, the co-hosts, Australia, who we know how deadly they can be, and then Nigeria, who've qualified for every single Women's World Cup that there has been. The expectation is that Australia or Canada will top the group. Uh, you know, on form, that should be Canada, but I actually think Australia are the stronger of the, of the two. And whoever finishes second, if England finish top of their group, are going to face England in the last 16. So it's going to be a tricky last 16 match for England in the first place. Who would you... Who would you prefer between Canada? We're supposed to be focusing on Ireland and here we go. I've gone and switched it right back to England again. Let's go back to Ireland, first of all. Who are Canada and Australia going to be most worried about playing playing Ireland? I think Ireland are going to be a team that are going to be difficult to beat. I think they'll get out of the group. I really do. I think they're going to be a good team At in this tournament. At the expense of who? Maybe Canada. I think Republic of Ireland can beat Canada. I think Canada are a top team, don't get me wrong. But I do think that they're beatable. I think the Republic of Ireland have that heart, that fighting spirit. And, and I don't think we should. people should write them off. I know it's their first major tournament. Again, yet will be determined in that first game. But I think they're going to be hard to beat. I think they'll have that fight of the Irish, you know, where they're going to kind of come out, come after it. Nothing's going to really phase them. They've got a lot of players in their team. Katie McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan, that have played at that level. 
Katie McKay plays for Arsenal. Denise O'Sullivan has been one of the best players in America for a number of years now. One of the best. So I think they've got players within their team that can pull everybody together. And I think that's something to be said about mentality. So I don't think anybody, you know, I don't think Australia and Canada are going to think, oh, we're going up against Republic of Ireland or Nigeria. It's going to be easy. I think this group is not going to be as a foregone conclusion as people think. And the pressure is on Australia. When you look at these other teams in that group, the pressure isn't really on Canada, Nigeria and Republic of Ireland. It's on Australia being the, one of the host nations playing in that first game. It's going to be difficult. Yeah, it really is. Just a quick word of Republic of Ireland, what happened to them against Colombia. They called off their game after 20 minutes because of a really nasty looking injury to Denise O'Sullivan. A shin, um, a, ta- a tackle on her shin ended up in hospital and the uh, Vera Powell, the Republic of Ireland manager, said, no, we are not playing this game. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, I don't think I've really, again, ever heard that before. Similar to the Zambia beating Germany, I don't think I've ever really heard of a game when I've played in getting cat called off but I think you have to be smart going into these tournaments and obviously Vera didn't want that to be the case so I completely understand it and hopefully we don't see more games like that yeah absolutely I'm very excited about the tournament very excited to see you a lot over the next (laughs) few weeks as well very excited for you to be joining us with it thank you to Leanne Sanderson Molly Hudson producers Maya Anuma and of course all of you as ever for listening don't forget if you miss any of our shows you can download them uh, on the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week as well and we will be here throughout the tournament as well as well as bringing you live commentary of England and Republic of Ireland's games across the TalkSport network our next show is going to on Thursday once the tournament gets going so join us there. Next here on TalkSport 2 you can hear live commentary of the PDC World Match Play Darts from the Winter Gardens in Blackpool.